I am really grateful for uh, what the Lord is doing, and infrastructure really has been important around here recently, but uh, all of this ultimately is about that His name and His fame would be increasing in us and through us and out of us, and uh, ultimately this is about the Lord, right? This is about who He is, and I'm so grateful for our church and our staff and just the countless hours that have been put into everything that you're seeing. In fact, uh, coming this week, I believe our uh, playground is going to start being put in, and there's just a number of really cool things uh, going on. So perfect time for winter to be able to have a playground in place. The Lord's good. (laughs) Hey, uh, speaking of kind of going with the flow and the time of things, um, actually in the sermon schedule today was going to be a day where I was going to be talking about he is bigger than my pursuits and uh, was going to be heading in that direction. And then on Monday, I sat down in my office and was just kind of looking ahead and thinking things through. And just to show you how on top of things I totally am not, I look at the calendar and I begin taking a look and it's like, oh, I don't know if you know this or not, but the holidays are coming. (laughs) And uh, for me, literally, that was kind of the reality for me. And I'm sitting there and just thinking through this and, and looking at it. And it's four days until Thanksgiving. It's 35 days until Christmas. It's 41 days until December, 30, until December 31st. And, and my head is not in the game for the holidays. And uh, I usually don't do this kind of thing and kind of talk in this way, but uh, I decided I'd call to Audible and uh, we're going to put aside, uh, he's bigger than my pursuits. And we're actually going to be talking, as you can see on your heavy notes filled page there, uh, he is bigger than my holidays. And um, yes, I'm really serious about that. He's bigger than my holidays, and we're going to spend some time uh, with this. Uh, I want for us just to kind of begin with the picture you see on the side screen here, kind of have this image of we're on the holiday porch. We are about to turn the doorknob and enter into the holiday season. And uh, the question kind of that's going on is uh, how are we ready for that? So the goal of today is about us preparing to enter the holiday season, preparing to enter the holiday season. Uh, Before we turn this doorknob and enter into that in the next 41 days, I actually want us to kind of take a walk with King Solomon. You might say, what does King Solomon have to do with the holidays? Well, maybe not necessarily a whole lot, but I want to walk with him and uh, have us together walk with him and consider we're on this porch, we're about to enter into the holidays And I want to actually flow with some of what goes on in his mind. So please turn your Bibles to the book of Ecclesiastes. It's kind of about in the center of your Bible. It's after uh, Psalms thereabouts. It's page 553 if you're using one of the Bibles there behind the seats. The book of Ecclesiastes is truly one of the most intriguing books of the Bible. uh, In some ways you can read through it and just think that this guy is on some kind of rant. That he is confused about life, he's maybe mad about life, and, and I get that. You read through that and you do kind of scratch your head and go, is this guy in it or is this guy off of it? Or what's going on here with it? But I will tell you, I absolutely love the book of Ecclesiastes personally. The Lord used the book of Ecclesiastes in my life in a very, very big way. Uh, the book of Ecclesiastes is a raw and real searching story. 
It's a raw and real searching story. And for me, at a time in my life when things were going very, very well um, on my business career and headed in some uh, very exciting directions, the Lord just used this book in my life to cause me to ask the question, so what's the thing that I really want to be about? What is the thing that I really want to be about? And I think the book of Ecclesiastes this year is King Solomon. He has everything. I mean, like everything. Like he has more than I ever would have had. He has more than any of us would have had. In fact, he had more than probably all of us combined together. And yet he has some things to say about life. And, and for me at that time, it's like, I'm really curious what a guy who has everything imaginable says about life. And I want to hear from this dude and what he has to say. And I think it's that he has everything, but yet he's still searching for the thing. He has everything, but he's searching for the thing, and it is a searching story, and his searching story, I think, really is our searching story in so many ways of it all. He's kind of going through this, and he's like, hey, what's the thing that will really satisfy me? Because there are a whole host of options on the table that I can go for. So what's the thing that's really going to satisfy and bring meaning in life for real? And I would just say this, preparing for the holiday season, we need to ask the same question. We're about to enter into the holiday season and question on the table is, what are you thinking, what are you looking for to bring meaning and satisfaction over the next 41 days? What's the thing on the table that right now you are kind of thinking about and I want to have us, what's the thing on the table that you're going to choose from? So kind of, I just, was one of these deals this on Monday, I'm like, I just need to, for myself, and I think the Lord's just saying, let's just, as a family, let's come together and let's set our hearts on the right direction as to what these holiday seasons are about. So let's begin by reading in the book of Ecclesiastes, are you there? Awesome. Book of Ecclesiastes. Uh, Let me just begin in chapter 1. I'm going to read, start off verses 1 through 11. He opens the book up here. The words of the preacher, the son of David. This is King Solomon, king in Jerusalem. He says, vanity of vanity, says the preacher. Vanity of vanity. All is vanity. (laughs) It's like it takes him a while to get to the subject, doesn't it? Uh, Here he goes, verse 3. What does a man gain by the toil at which he toils under the sun? A generation goes, a generation comes, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises, the sun goes down, and hastens to the place where it rises. The wind blows to the south, goes to the round to the north. Around and around goes the wind, and on its circuits the wind returns. All the streams run to the sea, but the sea is not yet full. To the place where the streams flow, there they flow again. All things are full of weariness. A man cannot utter it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor can the ear filled with hearing. What has been is what will be, and what has been done is what will be done, and there is nothing new under the sun. Is there a thing of which it is said, see this is new? It has already been done in the ages before us. There is no remembrance of former things, nor will there be any remembrance of latter things yet to be among those who come after. I mean, you read this and it's kind of like, man, does this guy need like a time out for a bad attitude uh, about what's going on? In some way, you can kind of say, dude, what, was this just a bad day or bad pizza last night or what's the thing? Uh, I actually think he's just being totally raw and real. 
A guy who's stepping back and taking a look at things. And I'll just say this. I feel that way. Do you? I mean, sometimes it's just like Groundhog Day, isn't it? Again and again and again and again. You wake up and you eat. You go to work. You work with the kids. You go to school. You come back, you eat. You hang around. You watch a little TV. You go to bed. Then you wake up. Repeat, repeat, repeat. And there's parts of it that is, it is, it's just kind of like laborious. Well, where does he go with this? Does he stand in a bad attitude or what's going on? Let's keep following. Verse 12. The preacher, I the preacher have been king over Israel and Jerusalem. And I applied my heart to seek and to search out by wisdom all that is done under heaven. It is an unhappy business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. I have seen everything that is done under the sun, and behold, all is vanity, striving after the wind. Let's pause there. Uh, I think a couple things here. Number one uh, is that he, he actually is just not on a rant. This is actually the telling of a very purposed project that this guy has. He has put out before him this idea that it's like, I have applied my heart to seek and to search. This wasn't just some looking back, but it's like almost he's telling about there came a time where like, I want to seek this out. I want to check out what is this whole thing about? What is life all about? And he even notes here by wisdom. And if you know the story of Solomon, God having granted him wisdom, exactly when is the time of all this? I'm not going to go into that. But, but he's even seeking to try and search this out, not just willy nilly, not just make something up, but he's trying to do it in a manner where there's wisdom that's with what's going on in his searching out. He's trying to find out what is all done under heaven? What's the deal? and why and what is it all about. This is not just some really rich and powerful guy on a temper tantrum. This is a man who's trying to understand life. And he's had experience in life and he's taking that and he's trying to check out all the options. Verse, uh, let's go to verse 16. So he said, I said in my heart, I have acquired great wisdom and surpassing all who were over Jerusalem before me. And my heart has had great experience of wisdom and knowledge. And I applied my heart to no wisdom and to no madness and folly. I perceived that this is also, that this also is but a striving after the wind. Again, he's taking on this task with intention and with wisdom. And then he comes and he sums up kind of the whole story in the beginning. And sometimes that ruins the story. But he's starting out as he did in the very beginning of the chapter by just saying all is vanity. Vanity it carries this idea that vanity is just self-absorption. Vanity is something that ends up being just valueless. It's fruitless. It's just like you get done with it and it's like, so that's it? I mean, really, that's it? I mean, seriously, that's it? And there's an aspect where you look back and you go, really, that's it? That's, that's all that there is? And here's this guy who has achieved the pinnacle of world success. And I would just say this, he should be listened to. I'm so curious, what does he have to say? What does this guy have to say about this search? Well, let's pick up chapter 2, verse 1. He said, uh, I said in my heart, come now. Uh, come now, I will test you with pleasure. Enjoy yourself. But behold, this also was Vanity. I said of laughter, it is mad, and of pleasure, what use is it? 
I search with my heart to cheer my body with wine. My heart's still guiding me with wisdom and how to lay hold on folly till I might see what was good for the children of man to do under heaven during the few days of their life. So here he starts out and he tries kind of, I would call it number one, with great pleasure. With great pleasure. He tries the whole party scene, the laughter scene. You know, the whole drinking thing, the whole do whatever thrills you thing. And he comes up with a conclusion after not just like studying it, but doing it. But like, hey, I've been there, I've done that. I remember uh, attending the University of Minnesota and when I was there in the dorm and, and uh, you know, the big things was Friday nights and the party scenes and everything going on and man, everybody was just so cranked up about Friday nights and all the craziness that was going on and, and uh, I was a believer at that time and I was trying to reach out to some of the guys in our floor for Christ and so I went down to some of the parties and was hanging around, and I'm just going to tell you the truth. I thought they were absolutely boring. It was all get out. All it is is everybody standing around drinking beer and getting hammered and music cranking, and that's it. And then later, they're head in the toilet. And then the next morning on Saturday, well, it wasn't early morning because, yeah, uh, it was later morning. It was like, that party was awesome. And I just remember talking with some of the guys, really, because... It was like about one o'clock last night, your head was in the toilet, puking your everything out. Really? And I will tell you, it was intriguing to me being able to be around some folks. And as time went on, the freshmen as they came in, they would hit a point and they come to this point and they're really like hitting this thing where it's like, I've been doing that and doing that. And it's the talk and it's awesome. And at some point in time, they come to this point where they go, really, that's it? That's what it's all about? And it's like, that's the time. It's a perfect time to be able to talk about there's something bigger than having your head puking your guts out in the toilet from being so awesome that night. Solomon's coming to the conclusion it's just all vanity. Because the interesting thing is the party, the Friday night then, doesn't satisfy until uh, about uh, two days. They got to be back on looking forward to the next one. And then the next one. And isn't that the way life is? You know, searching for pleasure. It's like, you know, that's going to bring it to me, whatever that pleasure thing is. And it never does. It never satisfies, does it? You always got to come back around and do it again because it doesn't really satisfy. So Solomon moves on from there and he's like, okay, check off the great pleasure thing. Let's try the great works thing. This is like how guys so often go about this. I'm just being transparent as men. Verse 4, so I made great works. I built houses and planted vineyards for myself. I made myself gardens and parks and planted in them all kinds of fruit trees. I made myself pools. Can you imagine that back then? We'd, we'd take that for granted. It's like, you just call a pool company up, have them do it. Not back then. I mean, there were no pool companies. Just getting water somewhere, and then how do you keep it from getting stagnant and going bad? 
And so just the process is crazy. So pools from which water the forest, the forest of growing trees. And so he's like, I'm going to try the whole good, the great works thing. So he builds houses and has vineyards and does gardens and parks and pools. And all are amazing and they're all great works. But at the end of it, he's kind of like, still not the gig, man. Still not the thing. You know, my hobby, I love my hobby, but still at some point it just still doesn't, it doesn't hit the gap. You know, the, 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 the shopping trip thing, it's just like, you know, the things that I build, my house, um, the furniture and, and all the things that I have, at what point in time and doing the great works kinds of things that just continue because more is better is the tease that's out there. And that kind of leads into the next thing. Great works just move into great possessions and great power. Verses 7 and 8. I bought male and female slaves and, and had slaves who were born in my house. I had also great possessions of herds and flocks. More than any who had been before me in Jerusalem. I also gathered for myself silver and gold and the treasure of kings and pr- provinces. I got singers, both men and women, and many concubines. The delight of the sons of man. So here he talks about it. So he buys employee slaves, he herds and flocks, he silver and gold, great entertainment, and he has the whole concubine thing going on. And it includes power when you're that way, and it includes prestige when you have all that's wrapped up there. And so here, Solomon's gone for the great pleasure. He's gone for the great works. He's gone for the great possessions. He's gone for the great power. He's gone for the great prestige in it all. And he's like taking it all on a test drive. Test drives are kind of cool, aren't they? Because it's kind of like you get in it and you're like, you know, and I want to see if I like this thing and if, if it's going to work well and if it's really what I thought it would. And you take it out for a drive and, you know, you go around the corners and turn and stop or you come running down our entry here and, you know, things like that on a test drive with a car and you do those kinds of things and then you kind of come walk away from it. You haven't purchased it yet, but you walk away from it. It's like, you know, I had a chance to run that thing and, and, and now I'm, I'm just, I'm, I got to make a decision. Do I buy it, or do I bag it, or do I look for something different? And Solomon's been doing that in all these things. What a test drive. Test drive with pleasure, test drive with all the works, test drive with the possessions and the power and the prestige. And and he comes to it all, and after his test drive with all this stuff, he says, verse 11, um, actually, let me read verses 9 through 11. So I became great and surpassed all who were before me in Jerusalem. Also my wisdom remained with me, and whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. I kept my heart from no pleasure, for my heart found pleasure in all my toil. This is my reward for all my toil. And then I considered all that my hands had done, and and the toil that I had expended out here. He's summarizing it up and, and doing it. And behold, it's kind of like, ears, listen up. I have something to say. Behold, after doing it all, and more than any of us ever could possibly think or imagine, here's, here's the deal. All was vanity and a striving after the wind, and there was nothing to be gained under the sun. Boy, doesn't that make you feel like your job's really like a good thing? <laughs> uh, think about it. Striving after the wind. We've had a couple really windy days here. 
It's like, can you just imagine, picture that? It's like someone running after the wind. It's like, there it is, no, there it is, no, 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 there it is. And they're running around trying to, that, that's what he's talking about here. It's all vanity. It's all like a vapor. It's, it's like you're, you're on a cold morning like this. You're, you're putting a hot uh, pot of water on to, to make some tea or something. And you put it on and that, and that vapor's coming out. And it's just, it's there. And then it goes about that far and it disappears. And it's like, it's gone. That's it. That was it. It's gone. It's just all vanity. When it comes right down to it in the long haul of it all, it's utterly fruitless. What a happy boy, huh? But he should be listened to. Because it wasn't some frat guy. He was a guy that was going about all this Truly trying to understand, where's the thing? I have everything, but where is the thing? So where are you looking? Because we all do this. Let's be straight up about it. We all do this. We're all going through life, trying to figure out what that is. What's the thing? What's the gig? What's, what's, what's your searching story? I'm not going to go into mine, but I will tell you, I can relate. Mine's certainly not this big. My story gets to the point and it's like, really that's it? So in our mid-30s, we build a house we're going to retire in for the rest of our life. It was really cool being involved in building it, even bulldozing the driveway and doing a lot of the work with it, and you get done. And So that's it? Really? So I got the dream house thing going at an early age and I got all this other stuff going at an early age and nothing's wrong with it. The Lord allowed that to be. But there's also a part in this where you just go, is that it? Wow, Doug, you are doing a great job of totally depressing me for the holidays. Uh, go down to verse 24 and 25, chapter 1. Actually, go to verse 17 first. He says, so I hated life. Because what is done under the sun was grievous to me, for all is vanity and striving after the wind. Here's one of the key things uh, for, 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 for the guys and the gals in college. Back in my day, it's the kind of thing to where it's like, listen, stop, just think for a second. Is this really it? And I would say to all of us here, whether you're in school and younger, whether you're in school as an adult, whether you're in a career, whether you're retired or whatever, I just say the same thing. What is the thing that's going on? That we could get to the end of our life and end up just going, let me rephrase that. We get to the end of our holiday. And we go, man, honestly, that was really neat in some ways, but there's part of it where it's just like Groundhog Day because next, next holiday is coming. Really, is that it? Is that it? Because it didn't satisfy to the point that I'd hoped that it would. 
Verse 24 and 25, he goes, there's nothing better for a person than he should eat or drink and find enjoyment in his toil. What? This also I saw is from the hand of God. What? This is where it's like, did this guy not take his medicine? Because he is like bouncing back and forth with what's going on here. Because he just trashed it all, and now he's saying there's nothing better for a person than he should eat and drink and find enjoyment in this toil. This also I saw is from the hand of God, for apart from him, who can eat or who can have enjoyment? For apart from him, none of it matters. Life lived for self. And all will be vanity. Life lived for self. It will all end up being a striving after the wind. No, but Doug, you don't understand how my career advanced. I am telling you, when you get towards the end, you will look back and it won't matter. Life lived for self is all vanity. But life lived in the Lord and for the Lord, it is not vanity. Everything has purpose because everything has a thing. The Lord about it. Not just scattered in, not just kind of toned in, not just like cast by words in, but for real. I mean, it matters when the Lord is a part of it. And so here we are standing on this holiday porch about to turn this holiday doorknob to enter into the holiday season. And I am on purpose asking myself and asking us, hey, listen, the next 41 days, how are they going to be lived? What's the mindset with what's going to be going on? If it's going to be lived for self, I am telling you, when January 1st hits, you look back, just as an example in life, you will look back on the last 41 days, and it'll all seem like just it just, poof, gone. And what's the big deal? And by the way, through it, it's going to be in this time, if it's all lived for yourself, then it's like, well, I didn't get the gift I had hoped for. It's they didn't show their appreciation for the gift that I gave them like they, I would hope for. Or they didn't show their appreciation for my meal, for the cost of my meal. They didn't show their appreciation for the time that was taken and put into this. Or it could be that the Hallmark Christmas moment never happened. And I'm disappointed because the last five minutes didn't happen the way they happen in the movies. The family didn't get along the way I had hoped they would. The family didn't come together the way I hoped that we might. And the high hopes of the season just get lost and not met. Because, friends, the hopes in the things of the season is all ultimately vanity. The next 41 days, live for yourself. It's all vanity, striving after the wind. But the next 41 days, lived in and for the Lord, is not It has meaning. It will last. It is the thing in it. 
enter the holiday season seeing the Lord as bigger than it all. Bigger than the gifts, bigger than the wrappings, bigger than any unmet expectations, bigger than any personal desired Hallmark movie moments wanted, bigger than any hard moments in it. Because the holiday season can be a really hard time. So can you give us some specific how-tos? I'm glad you asked, because yeah, absolutely. I've got two here. Uh, first one is, this, they're not going to be on the screen. The seasons in the holiday matter. The seasons in the holidays matter. We're going to talk on that here in just a second. And then we're going to finish with the end of the holiday matter. Look at chapter 3, verse 1. First, the seasons of the holiday matter. The seasons of the holiday Matter. Take a look at chapter 3, verse 1. For everything, there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. And then he just starts going through and listing them all. I just want to leave it there. There is for everything, there is a season and a time for everything under heaven. It matters. Let me put it this way. The next 41 day, days is a season of seasons. The next 41 days is an opportunity for all kinds of times. For all kinds of little seasons, because you can see in the text, a time for this, a time for that, a time for this, a time for that. And it goes even more from a time to be born to a time to die. And here in the seasons, it's like there's a time for this, a time for... Let me, let me translate it this way. I wrote down some here. The, the holiday seasons, it's a time to eat. Eat. It's a time to laugh. It's a time to heal. It's a time to dance. It's a time to speak. It's a time to keep silent. There can be a time to weep. In it, there can be times to love, times to pray and to worship and to celebrate. This holiday season, there should be times to give gifts and received gifts. There should be times to watch football. Amen. <laughs> and for others of you, there should be times to shop. <laughs> there should be times to return gifts. <laughs> there, there's a time for gathering and there's a time to be alone. There's a time to invite neighbors and friends. There's a time to invite neighbors, friends, co-workers to a Christmas Eve service. There's this year is a time to be able to stay home on Christmas Day on Sunday because of where with Christmas falling on Sunday and the way we're arranging things. There, there, there should be times in these seasons. Know that. I'm not saying, and I don't think Solomon is saying, is, is listen, uh, as we'll get to the end of the matter here in just a second, he's not saying that we're all just to be monks and to like move along in sadness and sorrow and boringness. Listen, if there's anyone in this time of the year that should be people that are rejoicing and having times for all these kinds of things, it's those people who truly know what this time of the year is all about and what it means to them personally and having been redeemed by the work of the born child, second person of the Trinity, born, grown to death on the cross, risen from the grave, providing the availability 
responsibility for sin be able to be cast as far as east is from the west by receiving him as your savior. Listen, the person that knows that is the person that knows how to party these next 41 days. And that person understands there are times during this. There are times to be loud and times to gather. There are times to be silent and times to be alone. There are times to rejoice and there are times to weep. All of this should be part of the next 41 days. So know that there are seasons within the season. Take advantage of that. Plan for that. And men, I'm talking to you as well. You know, usually, at least in our household, for sure, our household, if all the holiday stuff was left to me, we would just have probably pizza, one light bulb, and and lots of football. Um, guys, sometimes this is a time where we can kind of bag ourselves out. I want to invite you in. Ladies, don't get critical. But I'm saying, guys, I want to invite you in and plan some times. Plan some time for, uh, uh, Doug, are you going to give us a 41-day plan? No. I'm not going to do that. Because sometimes those kind of plans irritate me. Because if it's just like, if I just do that plan, well, then I'll have that checked it off. No, let's get creative. And let's plan some things. Let's have some seasons within the season of it. There are times for this and times for that. That's part of what life is about. Let's plan for it. Let's put it in. Chapter 3, verse 1, for everything there is a season. And then the second thing I want to press home is the end of the holiday matter. Turn to chapter 12. The very last verses of the book of Ecclesiastes turn to chapter 12, verses 13 and 14. Solomon says this, the end of the matter. I like that. Like, let's cut to it. Let's get at it. What's the end of the matter after his research that he's been doing? The end of the matter, all has been heard. Fear God, keep his commandments. Fear God, keep his commandments. Those are two things, right? Just two things. Fear God, keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment, every seeketh thing, whether good or evil. Let's talk about this. The fear of God. We talked about that just a little while ago. I used kind of two terms for that. The fear of God includes the wow of God. The like, God is awesome. Like, God is so amazing, so so wonderful, so beyond comprehension. The fact that the second person of the Trinity would do a Philippians 2 reality and come down and, and even like mess with us. And he did. Wow! Is part of the fear of God. The other part of the fear of God is, oh my. This is just not some philosophical dude. This is just not like some really smart, you know, political irritator of his day. He said he was God in the flesh, and he either was or he wasn't. And if he wasn't, then he's a liar, and I want to have nothing to do with him. But if he is, oh my, this is God in the flesh. 
And, and as we've been seeing in this series, the person that has this wow and oh my of God like Noah and like Abraham with Isaac and Joseph with his own life and like Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and like David with Goliath and like Ruth and, and, and like Job and like Moses and like John in Revelation chapter one. When a person comes to see the wow and oh my of God, the fear of God, life looks different. But it has to start there. Because the second thing, the fear the God, fear God and keep his commandments, why would I keep his commandments? Answer, because fear God. Because of seeing him rightly and seeing him awesomely and seeing him wonderfully and seeing him in the reality of all that he who he is, putting me face down before him, I want to keep his commandments. Not out of fear of him, not out of just the oh my of him, but also out of the wow of him. I want to keep his commandments. Listen, one and two, fear of God and keeping his commandments, that's the whole duty of man. So what am I supposed to do with my life? That's it. Fear God, keep his commandments. That's it. That sounds pretty easy, doesn't it? No, it doesn't. It sounds easy, but it isn't easy. But yet we can progress at it, friends, the next 41 days. Seeing the manger in a whole new way. Even seeing the whole reality of Thanksgiving, Karen and I, years and years ago, we did a whole Thanksgiving gig thing, we dressed up talking about what took place at Thanksgiving, and the whole thing of the whole reality of Thanksgiving, and what came into that, and just how God just provided, it just, it's like, oh, wow, oh my. So in all this, when we talk about keeping commandments, I'm not just talking about having a 41-day prayer schedule or a 41-day devotional time. That's awesome, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm not just talking about, hey, make sure and pray before the Thanksgiving meal. This is more than just read the nativity story before opening gifts. This is holistic. This is life-consuming. This is about being the kind of people who set our hearts on seeing more of this in our own lives and pressing forward. And I am certainly including me in this. That I would see the Lord bigger and greater. And in the next 41 days in this holiday season, well, there would be times and I would be enjoying the times of it and the seasons within the seasons of it. The fact of the matter is more fear God and more following out of that in obedience to him. Oh, more of that in us, that we would set our hearts on to be that so that we could be able to come to the end of the 2016 year and go, the end of the matter is this. We increasingly sought to fear the Lord and to follow what he told us to do and to be. More of that in us. More of that in us. Not perfect, but pressing ahead. So that you and me and we would be the kind of people where it's like we are pressing towards the whole duty that the Lord has put before us. Doug, can you give me a little bit more skin on the commandments thing? I can in fact, here's what I want to do. I want to take us back to our very first um, uh, sermon in this series. Uh, don't, don't turn there, but Ephesians. We, we went to the book of Ephesians, and we talked about how he's bigger than my mission. And let me just bring up on the screen here some things, just real quickly. Verse 3, he said, you have been blessed. You have been blessed. 
the person who has been redeemed in Jesus Christ know this. You have been blessed. We're talking about what does it look like to, 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 to live out the commandments of God. And I'm just saying, here, it looks like this. So first you need to understand this, the fear of God and what God has done in the redeemed person. You have been blessed. Then in verse four of chapter one, he says, you have been chosen in Christ. You've been chosen. That's super cool. Then in verse five of Ephesians chapter one, as we talked about, he says, you've been adopted. No longer strangers and aliens of the Lord because of sin, but you have been adopted, an adopted child of God. And then on that, the verse 7 in Ephesians 1, it said, you have been redeemed. Redeemed. You have been given life. You, verse 11, you have been not only been redeemed, but you have been given an inheritance. You've been given an inheritance. And by the way, not by me, not by anyone in this room, but you and Christ have been given an inheritance that is from God. And he's pretty wealthy. If you don't know that. And in all this, verse 13 in that, he says, you have been sealed with the promised Holy Spirit to the praise of his glory. It's not like God is just like doing little tidbits out to us and doing some amazing things out to us. God has literally wrapped the third person of the Trinity around. Those are his. That's pretty cool. Oh, and then Ephesians chapter two, we talked about how verse five, you've been made alive and saved. Because in the beginning of chapter two, it says that you have been dead. You've been dead in your trespasses and sins and your sins upon sins. And you've been dead, but then in verse 5 it says, when you come to know Christ as your Savior, you've been made alive and you've been saved. And then verse 6 in chapter 2, you've been raised up, seated with him. I am still working on thinking through that. I told my small group this week. That's the thing that, that I'm still trying to grab a hold of. Listen, notice this. All of these things so far, let me go to the next one and I'll make this comment. Then verse 10, you have been made his workmanship. I mean, you are a piece of work. Spot on, man. His work. And by the way, all of these, what's so amazing about this, all of these in the language are, have a past tense reality to them. In other words, you're not going to get these, you have these. Hey, Merry Christmas. If you are in Christ, you have all those. You have all those. You don't need to go get them. You don't need to go ahead like you're without them. But we are trying to learn what it all is. But we need to understand we have all these things. We need to stop being a people that is trying to go to get. We need to be a people that is going having. And we have all of that. But then the text tells us that we're supposed to, in light of having all that, we're supposed to do something. It says, and therefore, uh, therefore walk in a matter. I would say this, what does it mean to be someone who's living out the commandments of the Lord in the next 41 days? It looks like walking in a manner. And it looks like this. There were five things that the text tells us in Ephesians chapter four. It was walk with humility. Hey, Imagine walking through the holidays with humility. It's not easy. It's not easy. Because like, let's just say, let's say you've been the dinner making one for Thanksgiving and for Christmas. And all that, you know, and it's like somewhere along the line, just like a appreciation would be pretty cool, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it? <laughs> it's okay to say yeah. Okay, and in that, yeah, you are, and yet in it, as you're going through that, what if that doesn't happen the way that you want? Listen, humility trumps that. It's not about me, it's just about serving you. I just get more thrill about being able to do things to be able to show love on you and humility from it. And the second thing is walk with gentleness. Walk with gentleness. Hey, let me put it this way. Dial the expectations back. Just dial the expectations back. I'm not saying don't look forward to anything. I'm saying be careful with what you're looking forward to. 
And we are to be the kind of people that enter into the holidays with humility and with a gentleness about it. A gentleness includes just even having observing eyes with what's going on around. You know, and maybe it's time to bag some of the football game in humility and just spend some gentle time with some of the family. And that kind of goes along with the third thing Ephesians 4 tells us, walk with patience. Hey, newsflash, people get crazy over the holidays. And just know that. Just know that. And have patience. Fourth thing, walk bearing with one another. Know this, you will be annoyed. Promise, guarantee. Over the holidays, you will be annoyed. But you walk bearing with one another in love. Now the text, the context of the text is this is believer to believer. But know this, if we are to be this kind of person that we're talking about here with believers, we should be this kind of person everywhere. We don't like click it on here and click it off out. And we're to be bearing in love with one another. Fifth, walk with an eagerness to maintain unity. Walk with an eagerness to maintain unity. Sin separates. The Lord can bring together. He can redeem. And we should live that out. I'll say it this way. I'm asking for me and for us that the next 41 days we make a a, a concerted, purposed effort to enter into these next 41 days with a mindset and a desire and a purpose to fear the Lord and to live the center screen. That's it. To fear the Lord, to see Him as amazing, and to live the center screen. More of that in us. More of that in me. And that like Solomon set himself to discover something, to pursue something, oh, that we would do that and be that. So here's what I want to do. I want us just to take a a, a few minutes here and I want for us just to pray. And I'm going to lead us over a couple topics. I'm just going to ask that you would come just where you're at, in your seat, and that you would pray a, a, a few things here, all right? So let's just bow our heads. Time before the Lord. I don't want to force this upon you, but at the same time, I want to provide the opportunity for you to do this before the Lord. And number one, I'm just going to ask during this time here that you would just take some time right now, right now, and that you would just come before the Lord and set your focus. Lord, we're about to enter the holiday seasons, four days till Thanksgiving. God, right now I kind of want to drive a bit of a mini stake in the ground, and I want you big in my life this coming 41 days. So you go before the Lord now. Humble, gentle, patient, bearing with, eager to, before the Lord.
I want to ask that you would also just now be praying for your family. Maybe there's some in your family that are hurting, that don't know Christ. Maybe there's conflict in your family. I just pray right now that not only you would set your heart to be who you're called to be in that, but you would also be right now praying for your family. With that, would you be praying for your friends? The Lord would just be using this holiday, these coming days to, to do a work in their heart. Maybe they don't know Christ. The Lord would just do a work in their lives. Maybe provide the opportunity to invite them to come to our Christmas Eve services or just spend some time to pray for your friends or coworkers. So, Lord, I pray for us as a people, as a faith family. Certainly pray for me in this, that God, we're about to enter into a very unique time of the year. It is just a time of the year that is unlike any other time in our year. God, I would just pray that you would be doing a work in each of our lives that we would be grabbing a hold of this opportunity of this season and even just kind of grabbing our minds, grabbing our senses and being able to just focus in upon you and to be able to grab ourselves and commit ourselves to keep our eyes focused on you. The table of life is filled with all kinds of opportunities to take our attention away, to get involved in all the kinds of things that could be there, to think that those are the things that are going to be satisfying us, that are going to be bringing us meaning, whether it's the thing that we get, the thing that we give, or whether it's a certain kind of relationship that we expect. And yet, God, I pray that as we seek to live this time of the year, that you would be increasingly front and center in our heads. We would even use these next 41 days just as an opportunity time for each of us to be growing in our understanding and or our relationship with you. God, we would not get lost in the stuff that's going on that we would be able to walk through these coming days and finish out in such a way that we go, that was a great season. The Lord was big. He was bigger in my eyes, 
bigger in my actions. Oh, praise to you. So do a work, Lord, I pray. In the precious name of Jesus. Amen.